Amen and amen. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Uh, we are uh, continuing our series uh, entitled um, Dear Church. Dear Church, where we're walking through uh, Jesus' letters to the seven churches, uh, revealed through uh, John the Revelator, the beloved disciple, while he's on uh, uh, that island called Patmos. He receives a vision from the Lord to share the truth with these churches. And this morning we're focusing in on uh, the church at Philadelphia. Uh, the church at Philadelphia, again, uh, you know, said, made this joke uh, about the church at Smyrna, or uh, Brother Ben did whenever he preached here, not Smyrna, Tennessee, right, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is Philadelphia in Asia Minor, right, within the first century. That's the context to who uh, <clears throat> uh, John the Revelator is writing to here, uh, and uh, this word is for uh, them, the church of Philadelphia. This is uh, the other church. There were two churches. Church at Smyrna was one. Philadelphia was the other that uh, received no rebuke uh, in their letter to um, uh, their church. Right. Uh, they were doing things right. And we'll see here in a minute uh, what things they were doing right and look to glean from uh, them. And so Revelation chapter three, starting in verse seven. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And we're going to read through verse 13 uh, together. And as we read, we will talk through some of what we see uh, here. So this is what the word of the Lord says. And to the angel of the church, the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Real quick, those first two verses, whenever it talks about the key of David, there's uh, two uh, different uh, uh, contexts that he's talking about here. Number one, right, he's speaking to Jesus himself having uh, uh, the keys to the kingdom, if you will. See, the church in Philadelphia, their struggle was that uh, they didn't have a home. They didn't have a place to worship. Uh, the Jews, quote unquote, by heritage, but uh, they weren't really saved. The Jews at that time were uh, kicking them out of the temple. They said, hey, you're not welcome here. Gentiles, you're not welcome here. Jews that have been saved, you're not welcome here. So they had no real place to worship. And what Jesus is reminding them in these two verses is simply this. Hey, they may shut the doors on you in the synagogue, but I've got the keys to the kingdom and you're in it. You're in it. You have accepted me by faith. Right. And so you are in. You, you've got a place in the kingdom of God because you've turned and trusted in uh, Christ. You turned and trusted in him. And so I'll go ahead and say this free of charge right there. Uh, there may be some right that we feel aren't, quote unquote, welcomed into the church. Some of you, you may have gone to church in the past where you didn't feel like you were uh, welcome. Well, can I tell you something? The kingdom of God. Right. Uh, uh, There's an open door there. And whoever chooses to place their faith and trust in him doesn't matter how you look, doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter your past. Whoever chooses to receive Christ Jesus as Lord, man, has entrance into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Man, I ain't even to the points yet, Brother Dwayne. And I'm hey, that's good right there. Doesn't matter where you come from. Hey, you you have access through his shed blood. Jesus shed blood on the cross. Let's keep going. Verse nine says this, behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, these Jews, right? They were kicking them out who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. 
because you've kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Real quick, let me speak to uh, verse 11. Whenever you see there, hold fast. Make sure no one seizes your crown, takes your crown. It's speaking to uh, not uh, someone losing their salvation, if you will, if you, if, you know, if you do stumble. Right. It speaks to the fact that one day, right, the Bible says that uh, those of us who are in Christ, you know, we're going to face what is known as the uh, Bema Seat Judgment or the Judgment Seat of Christ. Second Corinthians 5 talks about that. And at that point in time, when we face Jesus, right, the crowns that we've occurred by, you know, our faithfulness to him in this life, man, we will lay down at his feet. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Hey, look, man, stay encouraged. Continue moving forward. Continue going. Your work isn't finished yet. Hold fast, man, so that you won't just stop at Having one crown to lay down before him. Hey, continue holding fast so that man, you won't be that person that, as Second Peter talks about, man, just barely escapes hell's flames. Gets to heaven and has nothing to show for their life to you. Man, keep moving forward. Hold fast to him. In verse 12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Won't we pray together? God, we love you. We thank you for God, your word here. We thank you for the faithfulness of the church at Philadelphia, Lord. God, I pray over these next few moments that you would uh, teach us a little something about faithfulness, Lord. Meet us here, Lord. I pray that you would speak. I'd get out the way and you'd preach. And that you'd meet us here, Lord. I pray this wouldn't just be another Sunday morning, Lord, and have the routine of life for us, Lord, but that we would hear from you. We'd respond. God, we love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Uh, As I've said before, I am um, a a self-proclaimed sports nerd, sports nut. Uh, that's who I am, right? Grew up with it. That's, that's what has been my whole life. Well, I've been my whole life. And one of my favorite movies of all time, right, was a Disney movie uh, portraying um, uh, one of the greatest stories in the history of sports, the 1980 United States Olympic uh, hockey team. Uh, the movie was called Miracle. You may have seen it before, and I love the movie. I, I love it. Uh, you know, uh, Kurt Russell does a good job portraying the, you know, the coach at that time, and obviously the hockey team. And and the premise of it is the United States they're facing off against uh, the uh, formerly known as Soviet Union, most dominant team in the world, right? Uh, and they're taking a whole bunch of college kids. The Soviet Union have all these professional athletes that have been playing together for a long time, and it's right before the game, and uh, the scene is set. The College kids are sitting there, nervous as all get out, getting ready for uh, the game. Uh, And Herb Brooks, Coach Herb Brooks, walks in and he makes uh, this one quote. He says this. Great moments are born from great opportunities. Great moments come about from great opportunities. 
And at that point in time, I'm ready to dress up. I had never played hockey in my life before, but I'm ready to suit up and, and play. But I remember thinking about that, right? And he's speaking to this fact that, man, they had a moment in time, right, to shock the whole world and beat the Soviet Union. The, the un, they hadn't lost the game in like 15 years. They had an opportunity at that point to beat them. And so now was their time. The time was now for them to do it. And obviously, you know the rest of the story. They end up beating them and end up winning the gold. And it was a big moment. It was more than just a hockey game, right? But it was, uh, man, an awesome time in our uh, history. And so I say all that to say this. We see here in the church at Philadelphia, right, this open door that God speaks to give them, right? This He speaks of, right? Providing an open door, an open pathway for them in the midst of the struggle that they were in. No place to worship. Persecuted on every side. God opens up a door for them. Men to be able to minister, to serve, to love in that point in time. And what God was communicating to them was, hey, the time is now. Time is now. To make the most of the opportunity that they had. And church, can I just be honest with you? Hey, God is calling for us to do the same thing. To see the fact that the time is now for us to be all in for him. I know, man. Hey, I know the culture, man. It seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket. But here's the thing. Are we going to let the degradation of our culture be an obstacle to keep us from reaching it? Or see it as an open door that God has given us to be able to step in and share the love of Jesus with them? Man, hey, I know social media seems to be like a black hole, man. Uh, you know, a, a cesspool of... Man, you know, folks, you know, sharing their opinions, thinking that, man, just because they own a keyboard and can say 140 words, that they know everything there is to life. I know it seems like mess, but we're going to let that be an obstacle or are we going to let it be an opportunity for us to step in and be a good witness even on there? Listen, church, the time is now. And that's the, the second Right context of what it looks like, an open the open door there, man, the open door. We see it all throughout the New Testament. It speaks to, right, opportunity for ministry. And what God is telling them is, hey, the time is now to seize that opportunity. And that's what I've entitled the message today. The time is now. The time is now. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, right? Paul says it like this. Look carefully, friends, then how you walk. How you live, not as unwise folks, but as wise. Here it is, verse 16. Making the most or making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The time is, now let me put it to you this way and then we'll get to the points. Hey, in the Christian life, listen to me. The call for us isn't merely to live lives as consumers, just simply taking what God can give us. But rather, the call for us is to be conduits, right, spreaders of the message of this hope of Jesus. And the time is now to do that. We see here in the text, right, the four, right, to, uh, four items, right, four ways that we are able to respond to the time being now. Right, first and foremost, right, the time is now, church, for us to hold on to the word of God. No matter what. The time is now for us to hold on to the word of God no matter what. Look at what uh, Jesus says here. Going back to the text. 
says this. I know your works. Verse eight. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No one's able to open or shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Man, Jesus is commending the church at Philadelphia for holding on to the word. Even though they had a little power, even though they were small in, in context, what he's talking about, there, even though they were a small church, even though they had no place to worship, they had no home to worship. Man, they still kept the word of God. They held on to the word of God. There wasn't any kind of negotiation that was taking place there. Hey, there, there wasn't kind of, you know, any kind of folding that was happening. Man, they read, they heard, and they held on to, and they obeyed the word of God. Even though, Brother Ben, they had every excuse in the world they could have used. Every excuse in the world. No place to worship. Imagine that, man, your whole life, you've been going to the synagogue, and all of a sudden, man, you accept Christ and you get kicked out. Get kicked out. Imagine that. Your whole life, man, you, yeah, you, you've, been, you've, you've been in the rhythm of, right, attending this certain place to worship, and all of a sudden you can't go there anymore. They could have used that as an excuse. Man, they could have used the persecution as an excuse. Man, but they chose to stay faithful. And in the same way, man, the call for us is to do the same. Now is the time not to let up, not to compromise, not to back away from what the word of God says. Even though culture may scream one thing. Man, the call for us, man, is to hold on to what the word of God says. I've heard it said like this before. You know, and this is a proverbial saying within culture now, but man, I believe it applies here. Right? The call for us as believers, man, is, is to live a life, man, choosing facts over feelings. Facts over feelings. And what that looks like is holding on to the word of God. Look at what these, some of these quotes, what they say about the word of God here. Charles Spurgeon, this is good, man. I need to be reminded of this. Folks in here who've been Christians a long time, you need to be reminded of this too. He says it like this. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. Hello. The book widens and deepens with our years. Man, so the more we grow in our walk with Jesus, man, hey, the, the, the deeper, right, and, and uh, the wider, man, the book becomes to us. Look at what N.T. Wright says here. The Bible is the book of my life. It is the book I live with, the book that I live by, the book that I want to die by. Man, we ought to cherish and hold on to the scriptures like him. No matter what our feelings may say or what the culture may spew. And what that looks like for us. Hey, holding on to the word, what does that look like? It looks like this. Choosing to live out, first off, the truth of the word. Live out to the word. Even it says here, you know, that they didn't deny, right, uh, uh, or they kept his word and didn't deny his name. That word kept, right, uh, speaks to, um, uh, you know, holding on to, right? But also it speaks to observing, walking, following in the original context. Here it is. They, they didn't just take hold of it, man. They, they lived by it. Lived by it. And for us, man, the call is to do the same thing. At the end of the day, they let the truth guide their life. Let the truth guide their life. And for us, man, we've got to choose to do that as well, Psalm 119, verse 11, says it this way. Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, we've got to choose to live out the truth of the word. Hey, don't, not, it, it doesn't, it, it's not good enough just to know it. Hey, Brother Dwayne, I know a lot of folks, man, that know a lot of Bible. But their life isn't matching, right, the, the Bible that they know. All right, it's more than just simply knowing, but it's about Man, living out 
the word. And then secondly, right, what it looks like to hold on to the truth of God is to choose to testify to the name of Jesus. Oh, man. It says here in verse eight that, man, they chose right to keep their word and they chose not to deny his name. Man, they held on to the name of the Lord. They, they hung on to the name that was above every name. And in the same way, we're called to do that. You know about this name, this name, Jesus. Like I said, the name that's above every other name. Hey, this name that whenever it's spoken, the demons tremble. Hey, this name that whenever it's spoken, chains break. This, hey, this name that whenever it's spoken, lives are changed, people are healed. You know about that name. The name above every name. Hey, we're called to hold on to that name. Hey, I know a lot of great names, right? Like I said, sports world, right? Culture. They may say Michael Jordan, right? That's a great name. And pop culture. Hey, some people may say Miss Mary Taylor Swift is a great name. Some of you men here might not like her, but culture, they, they may say her name's great. Some folks may say throughout history, Muhammad, his name is great. But, hey, none of those names compare to the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. And so for us, hey, the call, right, just like the people in Philadelphia is to testify to his name. Man, speak his name. Man, Hey, whenever someone is in a mess, man, and you're looking to pray over them, man, pray over them in the name of Jesus. Pray over them. Hey, share his name with others. They can come to know him. Man, testify to his name. We must choose to hold on to the truth of the Lord. Man, that's what it looks like for us. Man, t- the time is now to do that. Hold on to the truth of the word. Secondly, right, the time is now for us to hold on to the promises of God. Look back at the text. Look what it says. Jesus says it like this. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down. Before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Loved you because you've kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Jesus made a few promises here to the people at Philadelphia, made a few promises. Right. And we can hold on to those promises. People feel that could hold on to promises in the same way we're called to do so as well. I remember um Flashback, another flashback. I remember, you know, talking about keeping promises. I remember when I was uh, in high school, right, was kind of hanging out with some uh, of the wrong crowd at that point in time, right? And I remember one friend that I hung out with, right, uh, he, uh, you know, his name will remain nameless, right? He was a cool guy, but man, he was shady as all get out, man, shady. And I remember, man, he was talking, hey, dude, listen, if you, hey, if you, if you give me, you know, right now, the, uh, y'all remember the PSPs, those PlayStation portals back in the day? You know, I wanted one of those, and he's like, hey, hey, dude, I know we can get those real cheap, man. If you pay me, go ahead and pay me. I promise you, man, I promise you, I'll make sure to help you out, man. I'll take care of you. So I was thinking, okay. I mean, I know he's a little shady, but, I mean, surely he wouldn't just try and steal my money, right? Well, I was wrong. He he did. So I gave him the money, and I, I didn't see him. I tried to approach him, like, oh, man, yeah, I got it to you. I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to get it to you. Never got it from him. And so, you know, someone may say, hey, Irv, you ought to keep, man, you ought to face that guy, man. You ought to approach confrontation. And I'm thinking, no, I know that dude. He knows other dudes. And I'm not about to get in that mess. He can just have my money. He can just have my money. Just consider it a blessing, brother. Just keep, keep. 
say that, you know, I say that story, you know, in, in fun. But but the point was, hey, that dude couldn't be trusted. His promise, his word couldn't be trusted. Well, I know one. Hey, I know one who whenever he says it, it's going to happen. We can rely on him. His name is Jesus. And the promise that he the promises that he gives to the church of Philadelphia here. Man, they were called to hold on to them because they were going to come true. Right. He said, hey, don't worry about the persecution that's taking place. These Jews, right, man, that are threatening you, that kicked you out of the temple. Don't worry about them. The synagogue, don't worry about them. I'll already take care of them. Don't worry about them. Hey, by the way, man, what you're going through now, it's only temporary. I'm, hey, I'm going to save you from this, uh, uh, this, the trial tribulation that's coming. It's speaking to, right, uh, the great tribulation, the end time. You know, those of us who are in Christ, if the Lord tarries, man, he, hey, until, you know, if the Lord tarries and we pass, we'll be with him. But, but if he comes back, right, he's going to come back, call us up. It's called the rapture in scripture. First Thessalonians 4 talks about that. And so he's speaking, hey, at the end of the day, you don't need to worry about it. I got you. I got you. And so what you're worrying for, no need to worry. God said he was going to take care of their enemies and he said he was going to take care of the future. And in the same way, right, we can trust in God's faithfulness, man. So many promises throughout the word for us that we can hold on to in this season of life. And so here it is. What, what you're going through now ought to not be an excuse, right, for you to be all in for him. I believe I'll say that one more time. What you're going through right now ought to not be an excuse, man, for what, for the call for you to go all in for him. Man, because, and take care of you. Say, Pastor, where do you see that? See that? I'm going through a tough time. Well, Isaiah 41.10 tells us, hey, don't fear, don't be dismayed. Man, for I am with you. I'm with you. Man, Pastor Irv, I'm going, hey, I'm going through a tragedy right now, man. I, 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 I'm walking through intense grief, man. My life's a mess. I don't know how to wade through it. Second Corinthians 1.4 tells us that God is the God of all comfort, who is able to comfort those who are in affliction. And so that they can comfort others who are in affliction as well. God, I've been praying for this thing for a long time, man. Where are you? Where are you? And God is generous and gracious with his gifts. But perhaps, man, you hadn't received what you've been asking for. Right? Because, number one, it may not be your time. Or, number two, man, he wants to use your life as a testimony to minister to others. Your time of waiting. Man, trust in him. He is faithful. Man, you need a scripture to support that. Psalm 37, 25. Man, at King David at the end of his life. Right. He says this. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He is faithful. And the call for us is to stand in his faithfulness. So what that means is it's not the time is now not to wallow in what you can't do, but to hold on to what he can do and how he can use you. Right now is the time in the midst of the pain, instead of cursing God, like Job's wife encouraged Job to do. Remember in that, in that story of Job? Instead of cursing uh, Job's wife or cursing God, right? The time is to instead praise God and say, blessed be the name because of who he is and what he's done. Hey, instead of walking faithless, living a faithless life, man, it's about time to be a good witness for him and follow the call to stay faithful. Now is the time to hold on to the promises of 
God. Y'all remember that old hymn? But hey, before we move on to the next point, y'all remember that old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God? If you hadn't heard it, it goes like this. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. Standing. Standing. Standing on the promises of God. I'm glad we serve a faithful God who whenever he says it, man, it's going to happen. We can trust in him. Man, now is the time to hold on to the promises of God. Thirdly, we see here in the scripture, now is the time to hold fast to the mission of God. Now is the time to hold fast to the mission of God. Look what he said. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming soon. So therefore, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. That phrase, hold fast, right in the original language is in what is called the present active imperative. So it's this call to continue on, continue forward. Right. And it's not just a suggestion. It's a command because in the imperative mood, it's a command. Continue forward, continue pressing on, moving forward in him. I know it's tough, but continue going on in the call in the same way for us is to be folks that move forward in the mission, man, to love God, love people, give hope and make disciples. Now is the time, church, hey, to love others and lead them to the truth. Aren't you glad, man, there are people in your life, right, that saw that now was the time to do that? Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm glad for that in my life. They saw that now was the time. And for us, man, now is the time. Man, to step in and love our neighbors and co-workers well, man, and share the hope of Jesus with them. He, here it is. I may step on some toes, but I'm already here, Brother Ross. I might as well. Hey, here's the deal. Now is the time. Right, that person, right, in light of the law that just passed. That person that sits on the other side of the line is you, man. They're spewing out all that vitriol and hate that you know of. Man, now is the time to step, to step into their life. Man, to love them and to share the hope of Jesus with them. And, and why, right? To, uh, the, the law that was passed is a good thing. And, and, and why, man? Life is important from the womb to the tomb. Now's the time. Now's the time, man, to love that family member, to pray over that family member. Now is the time to hold fast to the mission of God. Here's the deal, friends. I, I don't know about you, but whenever my time comes to meet with the Lord or whenever he comes back, I, I want to be one, man, that's able to lay down many crowns at his feet because, man, I chose to be faithful. And in the same way, man, I, I want us to be a church that's like that as well. And folks that choose to hold fast to him. I love this quote. That speaks to our call to to be on mission for him. It, It says this. Every Christian. Is a missionary. Didn't say just every preacher, by the way, every Christian is a missionary. And every non Christian is a mission field. Every Christian is a missionary and every non-Christian is a mission field. The call for us is to hold fast to the mission of God. See the opportunity. See the open door. And the fact that, man, there are plenty of folks out there, man, that are hurt. Some of the stuff that you may see your friend post on social media or some of the stuff you may hear in conversation. If you were to step back a second, listen, 
that may be just an outcry, man, of, of their lack of hope and, and their need for something. Their need to get over the sun and so, man, step into their life. Love them. Share them. Begin that relationship with them. Don't just be one that man is simply content with being in your herd, although it's great. Hey, we, we need to have our community, need to have our fellowship. But man, there's a call for us to step out, man, and engage folks that are right around us, man, that don't know him. The family members right, right, right around us that don't know him. And so, man, let's hold fast to the mission of God. And then fourthly and lastly, the time is now to hold on to future hope. Verse 12 and 13. Look what he says. To the one who conquers, right? Uh, The one who endures to the end. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hold on to future hope. In AD 17, Philadelphia was, uh, the city of Philadelphia was destroyed by uh, an earthquake, right? And, uh, you know, uh, rebuilding efforts took place, and this new city uh, came about, right? Uh, Caesar, the Roman Empire, they had built it up. And Jesus uses this illustration of the pillar here to speak to man one day those of us who are in him man will be a part of the new jerusalem new jerusalem after the tribulation right uh, takes place man jesus is going to come back he's going to defeat the antichrist man and he's going to establish his own kingdom here for a thousand years and then after that's Right, it's going to be a great time. Satan's going to be bound, and at the end of that, a thousand years, he's going to be loosed, man, to try and fight against God once and for all, and then he's going to be cast forever into the lake of fire. Scripture talks about that. The Lord's going to cleanse the earth, and then we're going to reign with Him forever in heaven. And maybe you've read a little bit about heaven in the Scripture, right? But heaven is going to be a place where there's no more pain. No more sorrow, no more crying. Hey, no no more cancer. No more sudden death. It's going to be a place where, man, we're going to be with those fellow brothers and sisters, man, worshiping at the feet of Jesus, man, being in his presence forever. And so for us, man, those of us in here who know Jesus, we can hold on to that hope. Hold on to that hope. Man, the time is now to hold on to that. Because that is coming, let's make the most of the time that we have here on this earth. Limited time. Let's understand, as Psalms talks about, that our life is what? But a breath. Here today and gone tomorrow. And so let's look to make the most of that time. Make the most of that time, man. Hey, pouring into your family. Loving them. Make the most of the time, man. Investing in the life of the Christians. Make the most of the time, man. Sharing with the lost. Make the most of the time, man. Loving God, loving people, and giving hope. Man, hold on to future hope. Like that old song goes, man, because Jesus lives. Hey, man, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, man, all fear is gone. One day we're going to be with him forever. And the time is now to be all in for 
couple of takeaway responses and we'll be finished. Practically speaking, what does this look like for us? We talked about it some in the sermon. But what does this look like for us as people? Looks like this. Choose and be folks that embody the call, man, to give, to serve, and to invite. What does it look like to answer this call, man, to understand that the time is now? And it looks like us choosing to be folks that embody giving, serving, and inviting. I'll start out with give. Man, the call for us. Well, it's multiple fold here, if you will. Right? The time is now for this per- the person who doesn't know Jesus to give their life to him. But for the believer, the call is now for you to choose to also give your life to him every single day of your life. Man, give to and be a part of man building his kingdom. To give financially to the work, right? To answer the call to tithe, right? To answer the call to give in context of our church, give to the all-in. So we can look to continue to do ministry all around here. The call is to give. Secondly, man, the call is to serve. The call is to serve. Jesus himself says, hey, the Son of Man, right? He didn't come. Mark 10, 45, did not come, right, to be served, but to serve, right, as a ransom for many. And for us, as believers, the call is to follow that, man, to serve him. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? Well, number one, practically speaking, it, it, you, you can jump in and serve here at the church. Find a place to plug in. Serve with the kids. Man, serve on our greeting team. Serve at tech, in tech. Serve by leading a family group. You can plug in and serve here. Hey, it looks like serving in the local community. Some of our different mission partnerships that we've got. But the call is to serve. Remember, hey, we're not called just to be consumers but to be conduits of the gospel. The call is to serve. And then thirdly, hey, the call is to invite. Invite. Remember Jesus, you know, he was sharing that parable one time. He's getting towards the end of his ministry. He's talking about the last days. And uh, and he speaks of the parable of, hey, the call for folks, man, you know, folks didn't show up to this wedding. And so the master said, hey, go out to the highways and hedges and invite them to come in. Man, that's the same call that we've got. Go out to the highways and hedges. That looks like your neighborhood. Hey, that that looks like the person down the street. That looks like the person at the gym. That looks like the person on post. That looks like the person that you work with. That looks like the person who's liberal. Looks like the person who's black, Hispanic, white. Man, the call is to invite. Invite folks to come to know him. Hey, the time is now. It's now. I'll end with this. What many view as the uh, sermon of uh, the century, um, preached in 2000 at, uh, outside a whole bunch of college students and a famous preacher, you know him if I said his name, uh, you know, preached a sermon called Don't Waste Your Life. And he gave this illustration of the contrast of two different families. One family, two single ladies, 
they understood that the time was now in their life. And so they decided to devote their life to serving in West Africa. And they invested 40 years serving there. And their life tragically ended in a car accident there. And he shares that story and he says, hey, do y'all, he's talking to the audience, do y'all think that that was a tragedy, their life was a tragedy? There weren't really any words responded. And then he shared the story of this couple in their 50s. Man, they made it well, right? They were living in this certain part of the United States doing well. And in their 50s, kids were already out of the house. They decided that they were going to retire, buy a retirement home in Florida, and live the rest of their days collecting seashells on the beaches there. And you think about that, it's like, man, hey, that's a pretty good life. But the preacher said, Actually, their story is one of tragedy. Because at the end of the day, the first group, those couple of ladies, they decided to spend their life investing in the kingdom of God. And the rewards that they get are going to be eternal versus the second family, right? They collect a whole bunch of seashells. That's great. But they they aren't going to take those seashells with them. And he ended the sermon by saying, hey, listen, friends, don't waste your life. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that, hey, don't retire. Right. Those of you who are retirement, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, hey, don't go on vacation. I'm not saying those things. What I am saying, though, is this, that the time is now. Man, to invest in the kingdom of God. I don't want to get to the end. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to the end of my life. And look back and think, man, I, I wasted it, man. Wasted. Good thing is, good news is, we don't have to. <laughs> we can choose to respond, man. The time is now. We can be like the church at Philadelphia, man. And choose to understand that the time.